Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I am entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Dustin Fuse and I are recording this podcast on Thursday, August 8th, 2019. So, uh, did we do our due diligence this past weekend, Dustin? Did we go out and watch Hobbs and Shaw? We're we're putting this off until it uh, shows up on Netflix or whatever streaming service I can find it on. Ah, <laughs> uh, now you see, this is the reason that that Hobbs and Shaw did not do Fast and Furious size business this past weekend. Um, I, don't get me wrong; it, it, it sold one hundred seventy four point four million worth of tickets stateside, mm-hmm. uh, additional one hundred nineteen overseas. So. Um, I box office currently sits at 193.4 worldwide. Not terrible, you know. I mean, again, movie cost 200 million to make, but at the last Fast and Furious film, uh, Fate of the Furious, cost 250 to make. So, mm-hmm. um, conventional wisdom is uh, that this spinoff of Fast and Furious will will, will do okay. That you know. Will by the end of the summer will be you know a, a certified hit so to speak, and it's kind of interesting in talking with people at Universal that uh, you know the next two summers they they're actually shooting two Fast and Furious films back to back. Nine will be out in theaters in on May twenty second two thousand twenty, and ten will arrive April second two thousand twenty one. So. If there's going to be a Hobbs and Shaw 2, which, again, it is kind of a question at this point, potentially we wouldn't see it in theaters for three years, uh, summer of 2022, um, which, an interesting little side note about the this David uh, Filchelm is that supposedly it's actually set in 2022, that they, they deliberately created some breathing space for the fast two Fast and Furious films that are being shot right now, just in case they need to sort of circle the Hobbs and Shaw characters back in. Really? That's a yeah. very smart move. Yeah, I thought so as well. But uh, To be honest, at, at the end of the day, I think we've seen a lot of The Rock and a lot of uh, news about Hobbs and Shaw on a number of YouTube shows and the late night circuit. So I think it was just one of those things where the, the movie may not have performed stateside what they were thinking but the social media side of things you know everyone still loves the rock we're not getting over rocked out just yet mm-hmm. but i think the the fact that we're going into fast uh nine and ten that's a substantial amount of time that we have grown into this universe so uh we'll see i'm i think as soon as we both see the movie like did you see the movie Oh, again, I bet both Len and Drew were making fun of the fact that I haven't escaped the house in weeks. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but you know, in fact, tonight, tonight I may finally get out. You know, Alice and I may go out and see the new Tarantino. Um, well, because you still haven't, are, do you, have you picked up Toy Story 4 yet? I, I Again, at this point, I, I think I'm going backwards. I'm I, At this point, I think I've actually lost Toy Story 3. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, yes, I, I, I will eventually get out and see things. Um, but again, on the other hand, I'm not a big fan of horror. Didn't see us when it was out in theaters. Did see that a lot of people really, really enjoyed this Jordan Peele movie. Uh, so I'm I'm not honestly surprised that, what, was it just today or yesterday that they announced that they were going to do this as a 
uh, maze for Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, it came out, yeah, yesterday. Okay. Um, I, I hate to say this, Dustin, but from an operational point of view, and I apologize for anybody who hasn't seen the film yet, but again, this whole story kind of keys off of doppelgangers and... Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that going to be kind of hard to do in a maze that you have to staff, you know, with enough people to be able to swap them out every half hour or so? Because isn't that the procedure? You're on stage for a half hour and you get to be off stage to recover for a bit and then come back on? Or Yeah, that's the, the traditional entertainment side with um, walk around and uh, characters that do meet and greets. I don't know the operational side of Halloween Horror Nights, mm-hmm. but uh, if it's doppelgangers, I don't know if they're going to be using uh, technology to really show that side of things. Like the easiest way to make two of something is put a mirror. So this is true. This is true. But, you know, but at the same time, this is this is a maze. You have to yeah. pulse hundreds of people an hour through this thing. And if I forget who I was talking with about this, about, oh, it's it's us. The easiest thing to do is, you know, line a mirror, you know, up and, you know, put somebody in front of a coverall and, hey, there's your doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, is there any word about where this particular maze is is being built? Is it a soundstage or one of the temporary buildings? Have you heard anything? I haven't. Um, on all of the sites that I've been, uh, that I do my research on before uh, we record, it's basically just not available or to, to be determined. Okay. Uh, okay. But uh, it looks like with, with the amount of construction going on at both Universal in Orlando and then Universal Studios Hollywood, uh, there are plots of land that we may not have even thought about that they're using for uh for halloween horror nights to try and get around the current construction that's happening at the um on the back lot so we'll see hmm. okay um and well while we're talking about halloween horror night just today that the information broke about the final uh haunted house that that will be based on original content and i guess uh this one is is Strictly for Orlando, it is called Graveyard Games. Um, I've got an official description here that says, Graveyard Games will transport guests to a haunted cemetery where vengeful spirits have been awakened from their grave. Uh, As guests venture through the graveyard in the dead of night, the ghastly apparitions will rise from their tombstones ready to torment any soul who so foolishly disturbs them. But the graveyard is not meant for the living, and guests will soon realize that no one gets out alive. And I, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, that's kind of generic. I, I don't know. I, the, my <laughs> here's my bar for for entertainment, you know, themed entertainment writing. Yeah, it has to be better than something I could write. You know? and yeah, that's, I don't know. I, I, I that's wow. Um, like I, I understand the hook is, and guests will soon realize that no one gets a lot out alive. But that's that doesn't leave really any story. Like I get it. Okay, no one gets out alive. Okay, foolishly, I'm like, all right. This it sounds very much of a mix between the haunted mansion mm-hmm. and a you know haunted house that happens during the Halloween season in your local backyard. 
Mm-hmm. Like it seems mm-hmm. like that type of a thing. Now, granted, I am assuming that, you know, with uh, with the creative team that looks after Universal Orlando, uh, that they've come up with new technology to really showcase uh, the ghost effects that, that, you know, has been used in entertainment for such a long time. But I when I read this, I'm like, OK, I need to see more. I need to yeah. see the not the ins and the outs, but I, I want to see how the concept art will uh, will allow guests to really experience this and not just be like, okay, where are we going next? Mm-hmm. I, again, I, you know, I'm sorry, but a haunted a haunted cemetery, it's sort of like, you know, the, 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 it's right up there with bologna and cheese. You know, just sort of like, <laughs> not not you know the, not the most exciting you know uh, you know. Offering, well, this brings okay. it up to guests. Uh, let's see here. Halloween Horror Nights guests will face 10 all new elaborately themed haunted houses, five scare zones, and then all the live entertainment. And as we've seen over the last, you know, since Halloween Horror Nights has begun, uh, not every maze and haunted house is going to be the best of the best. Uh, you have to try new things. And there are times that even halfway through, uh the the season they'll come back and and rework some of the ideas so i'm assuming this is kind of a a great idea to be like okay let's do something in a graveyard and you know we'll we'll really see but yeah when it came out i'm like oh okay looks like they're just trying to get to 10 <laughs> all right well let's think good thoughts maybe we're, we're underestimating again when I, I saw the name graveyard games i thought okay interactive or yep. sports themed or something like that and it was just sort of I, I saw american ninja ninja warrior in my oh, head there we go there we go <laughs> something to watch not something to do uh, okay now um and again no news on where this one's going to be located either i mean the news just broke today so i, I have to assume that you know that hasn't filtered out just yet um, oh, speaking of of the location of sure. things, uh, it was kind of intriguing in the past week or so to watch the speculation that suddenly popped up online that they saw all of this coaster track being stored uh, on the site where Universal's fourth theme park is being built. Uh, and, you know, it was, oh my God, they're getting, they're getting ready to put up the first coaster. It's like, well, no, that's, that's not what that is. Uh, that's where they're storing the coaster for, or the track for Island Adventure's newest coaster, which we just found out what the name of that is, right, Dustin? Yeah, the, the trademark was registered and it's, uh, the Velocicoaster. Um, which... Okay, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, there's a part of me that actually sort of admires the fact that, okay, velocity, I'm, you know, I'm moving at speed and mm-hmm. Velociraptor and Velocicoaster. And it's like, okay, all right, you know, I'll, I'll give you a solid B on that name. Um, now, this is still, though, their attraction for summer 2020, right? Is that the. Yes. Which means now, we have the entire. Uh, winter some uh, spring and a little bit of the summertime to really clue folks in that this is going to be high intensity that you're traveling with with blue and the the raptor squad and uh 
when I first heard Velocicoaster, I'm like, awesome. It's not going to be another Hagrid's Magical Creature Motorbike Adventure. It's a single word. It'll look great in lights. Uh, it's the, the track looks like it's that perfect, um, color that will really blend in with, uh, with the concept that they're going for, which is probably going to be through the trees, through the, through the, wait a second. Doesn't that sound like Hagrid's? Um, last time I checked Velociraptors can't fly, well, but, but, <laughs> but, but we're trying to escape them. So, you know, okay. Now, have you heard anything in regard to repositioning Island's Jurassic Park to Jurassic uh, World? Um, I've I've heard both sides, and I think mm-hmm. that that uh, conversation got escalated over the last six months with uh, the the different logos showing up on the construction site, with Jurassic Park on one side and Jurassic World on the other. I don't know if whether or not, and it's something you and I have talked about for the last you know couple of months since they we started to see the closures, and then with uh, Jurassic World showing up on the other side of uh, the U.S. over in Hollywood, would they put Jurassic World in here, knowing that they are building a brand new theme park up the road, and they're going to need something to really you know build over there? I, I, I. We've seen the the rumored attractions and IPs that are going over there. I don't know whether or not Jurassic World belongs in Islands of Adventure or if Jurassic Park, you know, belongs there and then they build that up. I just don't know. I'm excited for both. I would love to see a Jurassic World where you get the, um, oh, what is that? The gyrosphere attraction, almost like a, a safari experience. I would love to see that, but... Um, yeah, Jurassic World, they still haven't made that announcement, and I want it. <laughs> you know, they, they, I hate to say it, but given the physical plant that's already in place for, what is it, the Jurassic Park River Adventure or whatever yeah. they call it in Florida, uh, and given how well received the Jurassic World ride has been out in Hollywood, it's hard for me to to see them justifying, especially with uh, Velocicoaster going in, them expanding their footprint. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're doing a second Jurassic, you know, doing Jurassic World over at Epic Universe. So, I again, I, I'm going to be intrigued going forward. Uh, you know, and in fact, it, it would be, uh, for me, it would make sense that if, you know, as, as Velocicoaster comes online, Mm-hmm. Uh, if we see, you know, the Jurassic Park River ride go down in that same window of time, you know, it might be intriguing to see, you know, whether as we head into the summer of 2021, when clearly Universal is going to be looking for something to do battle with, you know, Walt Disney World with its 50th Yeah, with Guardians and with everything going on. You know, especially if, the, if what the timetable for you know, epic uh, universe is true. You know, they either opening in 2023 or 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, that would, I think, be a smart play, but um, we'll have the to The construction see. that's over there, though, is just, it's getting crazy. But I think with any sort of construction, you know, experience, you, you have to know that when they build it, they're, they're clearing land out. But don't worry, all those trees and all that ambiance is going to come back like it did with Hagrid's. Um, the other thing that I, I'm very interested to see is 
with VelociCoaster coming online. And keep in mind, VelociCoaster hasn't been announced. It's a trademark. We've seen this before. We've seen Fantastic Worlds and Epic Universe. This has happened before. But Mm -hmm. with VelociCoaster coming online and being in the dead center of that skyline at, at Islands of Adventure, does this change the um the guest experience whether or not they're going left or right and i think the big issue that comes with uh islands right now is everyone goes right they want to go to hagrid's they want to go and check out uh you know the wizarding world of harry potter and even something as crazy as uh king kong when that came online um whether or not people actually went over that side and it just didn't happen. The the crowds continued to go right. So I think if they put the entrance for this on the left side of the Jurassic Park, uh, Camp Jurassic area, maybe that could skew the, the lines. That way there's an equal, uh, you know, guest traffic flow. Interesting idea. That'll be certainly intriguing to see which way they do do this. Um, we were talking a moment ago uh, about Universal Hollywood because, again, obviously Jurassic World just opened out there. But mm-hmm. um, did you see the survey that, that popped up online uh, over the past couple of days with Universal sort of feeling folks out about uh, the tram tour? And again, remember that they, they, Universal just this year uh, celebrated the 55th anniversary of the, the launch of the, its tram tour. But they're now talking or sort of feeling folks out about how would you feel about, say, the tram tour being an upcharge, not necessarily something you get with your admission when you go to Universal Studios Hollywood. You know what? At the end of the day, an upcharge is just that. What are you getting for it? What am I going to be receiving when I pay this extra money to get something that I haven't already gotten? Mm -hmm. Now, when Universal Studios Hollywood first opened up, they had... Uh, very little attractions. It was a working studio. And that's changed over the last 10 to 15 years with things like Harry Potter and The Simpsons and more experiences showing up, the immersiveness of a theme park showing up. And yes, the, the Backlot Tour is still an incredible experience and you get to see the inner workings and you know, all the uh, the additional things that they've put online to still create that line and to make people want to go down there. But I don't I, I'm, I don't know what that price point would be that would actually want me to go and stand in line to see something that we've already seen before. So I, I don't know. And I know that with a, a survey, they're just gauging the interest. Mm-hmm. But I don't. What do you think? You know, I, look. I, I'm a huge Hollywood history buff. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, I want to say a, a couple of years ago, Universal was was nice enough to invite me to out ahead of that year's Halloween Horror Night to meet with John Murdy, literally in the lower lot. And uh, they were building the From Dust to Dawn, you know, maze. Sure. And I, I will flat out tell you, Dustin, that they gave me a drive on and that was a mistake. Um, because I got lost several times, deliberately. You know, I, I, oh, should I be turning down this road? Oh, I'm on Six Corners. Oh, should I be turning down this road? Oh, I'm in Frankenstein Square. Um, oh, courthouse should, you know, I mean, I, I took full advantage of the fact that I think they, they, I was off the leash. 
you know, but to counter that with the tram tour, where it's just sort of like, if I have to go on the Universal Hollywood tram tour and go through Earthquake one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, it just, it it's it was a wonderful attraction in its day, but mm-hmm. its day was 25 years ago. Yeah. You know, the weird thing is I appreciate... Uh, King Kong 360 from a technical point of view, and it is kind of cool to, you know, that moment where the Allosauruses or the, the, the V-Rexes attack the tram car behind you and rip it off, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, the, the, no, there is no tram car, but that's kind of a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and huh, Fast and Furious uh, Supercharged. <laughs> um, boy, did, I don't know if that works on either coast. And, and and also, from friends who actually work on the lot, who talk about the fact that it's like, wow, when you have a tram car coming through every five minutes, and you know you have you hope that you're working with a tram driver who understands that when the red light is on, to not talk outside because how many takes get blown because a tram is rolling by and mm-hmm. and somebody's telling you about yes, Lucy and Ricky were in that bungalow over there. Face it, you know, there are plans in the works for Hollywood about expansion. I mean, you know, hell, you you, you know, you can look off of the, the Frankenstein parking structure right now down into where supposedly the first Nintendo attraction is being built. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're also talking about where should we put Diagon Alley and, where, you know, how will the Hogwarts Express be set up? Sure. Um, you know, I wonder if, if they're going to go upcharge... Why not go all the way? Why not? You know, it's like, look, if you want to do the backstage tram tour, they have the $350 VIP experience. Yeah, which, by the way, if if people haven't gone online and just researched this, it's actually a very exciting experience. So you get free valet parking, you get the VIP lounge, you get survival kit, uh, which gives you like mints and hand sanitizer, all that stuff. But you get Mm -hmm. an expert tour guide. And they know the ins and the outs of the back lot. So you get your private trolley. You get to, you know, visit the prop warehouse, which if you are like uh, like Jim and a huge uh, fan of everything that is like uh, film history and a film buff, that's where you want to go. Now, for me, the thing that drives me into that VIP experience is the free lunch. So that that just sees so much more of a, a, a thing. But I don't know, the VIP experience, if you're really going to go all out and if they want to turn it into an upcharge where everyone who goes on the backlot tour has to be a VIP experience, you know, participant, I don't know if that would get the people saying, oh, I really want to spend 350 bucks. I yeah. think we've seen... How with Disney, when they turned uh, off their backlot tour and, you know, how this is how movies are made. Mm -hmm. It's different now versus versus when it was back in the day, because so much of the movies are done with green screens. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think it's interesting you bring that up. There are so many now studio theme parks around the world, mm-hmm. and the hard reality is you go to make an attraction, you know, like a you know a Mission Impossible attraction, you know, a, a, something, you know, to that effect, and you you are handcuffed by the fact that well, yes, that's CG, yes, that's green screen, 
And, you know, I mean, for me, the virtue of the Universal lot is this things exist. It's in 1915. This is where Lon Chaney worked and, and did, you know, Phantom of the Opera and, yeah. you know, uh, you know the, the Hunchback of Notre Dame and, you know, where Boris Karloff himself, you know, lumbered around in the Frankenstein Monsters outfit. And and that's the thing of the tram is that you now you're not really getting all all that exposed to real Hollywood history. You're getting Earthquake, you know, you're getting King Kong 360, you're getting, you know, the the, the Jaws, you know, lake <laughs> mechanical thing. Yeah. Um, if that you're paying an upcharge just to see that old tired stuff again, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a bad idea. If on the other hand if I'm paying an upcharge for a, a an enhanced, you know, a a new amazing Universal Tram Tour that actually gets me, you know, in you know up close with Hollywood history and and yep. and things like the prop department and all that, uh, that I'd be willing to pay for. Um, like if you're going through the the tour and the regular tour goes right and mm-hmm. you all of a sudden get to go left. No. That's that's something to me that would be incredibly exciting. But yeah, I, and I don't even know what the price point would be to really get people interested in like doing that upcharge because we had this chat the last it was either the last uh, show or the show before about how Universal in Orlando was going to bring their uh, Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket online after the park closed and it was going to be a two or five dollar charge per experience and i'm like okay what's the break even what's what's that uh price point that when you're walking through a midway and you stop and you're like you know what i want to go on that ride oh it's two dollars awesome oh it's five dollars we'll see which uh interesting that you bring this up because didn't universal just announce that they're bringing back the Harry Potter packages to is it at all of the hotels or any specific hotel in Orlando? Yeah, so it looks like the uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter vacation packages are uh, online right now. Um, so it is let's see here vacation packages starting at one thirty five per person per night based on a party of four. Limited availability, of course, so check out Universal Orlando for this, but I'll, I'll just go through everything. So it's a five-night accommodations at the all-new Universal's Endless Summer Resort, Surfside Inn and Suites. Oh, okay. All they right. do have additional uh, accommodations at Universal's Cabana Bay Resorts and other Universal Orlando uh, hotels. Hmm. So very important to know that it starts with Endless Summer. Uh, it gives you a five-day park-to-park ticket for Universal Studios Florida, um, Islands of Adventure, and uh, Volcano Bay. Uh, they also give you a special themed keepsake box, which includes a welcome letter, travel planning guide, a set of luggage tags uh, featuring Harry, Ron, and Hermione, um, as well as a Heg- uh, Hogwarts Railways lanyard. Uh, the it gives you breakfast at, at the leaky, leaky cauldron um, or at three broomsticks. But this year they brought in uh, something new on top of the keepsake box. They're actually giving you a session at Shutter Buttons Photography Studio in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley. So you'll get one exclusive 8x10 photo print and a commemorative DVD photo album. Wow, they still do DVDs. Um, <laughs> but, oh... We'll, we'll see what'll happen. But, you know, this type of a, a package, if you are a 
a huge Harry Potter fan, as most of our listeners are, you want to get the, the this package because it gives you the early park admission on top of all of these extra things that, you know, Harry Potter fans really want. I, I like the fact that they are plussing it with the photo session as well as the keepsake box. And if people are going to be going and they want Harry Potter, why not? I don't know. What What do you think? What What would... I mean, you know, again, I, I if I were, you know, somebody who was looking to going to make a return trip mm-hmm. to to universal and you know that that and perhaps you know sample hagrid room there but you know for me you know i hate to say it the incentive is like oh cool i get to go check out endless summer yeah uh, and and for 135 a night that's actually not bad for the orlando market no i agree i agree so all right well thank you for sharing that and well speaking of uh announcements and 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 the like just last week we had our uh you know our epic universal announcement which underwhelmed a lot of folks and tell you what when we get back from commercial break here uh i'll try to (laughs) provide some historic context to why it would be that it's kind of a disappointing announcement okay we're back yeah well dustin please tell your story about you know you were listening in for the the actual you know uh, the epic universe announcement last week uh so as any you know person who loves theme parks uh the idea of a new theme park being uh announced uh, was incredibly exciting. We didn't know that it was going to be, but let's be honest, we kind of did. Uh, as the as ten o'clock rolled around, nothing was online. There was no communications through, you know, anything. All the the Twitter accounts, everything like that was uh, kind of quiet. And what was funny was the media who were in uh, the presence of this this uh, press event. Uh, they weren't able to live stream anything. So everyone who was excited about hearing what was going to happen had to basically refresh Twitter uh, to see, oh, you know, people are sitting down. Oh, there's, you know, seats and oh, the backdrop is is incredible. And oh, what's going to happen? But there wasn't a lot of buildup because no one was able to live stream and Universal didn't provide a live stream themselves. So as this event, uh, this um, experience was going on, it was like, okay, well, this is okay, we, we have the, the name. Okay, it's Epic Universe. Awesome. It, uh, we understand Fantastic Worlds. It was released. Uh, Alicia over at Orlando Park Stop was like, yep, it was there. She, she broke the news. Uh, she's actually been a really great person to follow with the day-to-day of this. Um, Very huge true. fan. Very true. Huge fan. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. and, but as the, the, the announcement was going on, it became evident that they weren't going to share anything. It was, hey, this announcement is happening. This is the name. This is, you know, we're going to spend, uh, we're going to hire another 14,000 team members. There's going to be a, a minimum uh, wage of $15 an hour. They had the the mayor. They had the, the governor. It was very exciting, like, group of people that were in one room together. But they didn't actually share anything. So, and, uh, no, well, did you catch the announcement? I, I don't know if it was Tom Schroeder or Tom Williams that said it when somebody asked them about specifics, and it's like we'll reveal those at a, 
a later date, but we have competition in this market? Yeah, a universe is bigger than a world. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> um, I, all right. So let's talk about that concept art. Right? Sure. And uh, also the reaction to that concept art. You know, that, that uh, I think my daughter Alice was the one who said, you know, did you enjoy all the smears of paint? And... <laughs> You know, and, and look, all right, you know, I'm, I mean, I get it, you know, that that's if you you look at this piece of concept art, there's this fireworks going off. It's, it's, you know, clearly the park at night and there's mm-hmm. spotlights, you know, shining up into the sky. And, you know, it's only when you, you start to really sort of lean in and it's like try to figure out, well, what am I looking at? Um, you know, you can pick out a hotel, you can pick out an entrance corridor. And you can see sort of the the individual lands that fan out from the, the center of the park. But as to the theme of these lands, um, in fact, it was kind of fascinating for me to watch the Rorschach test around the web as people will. Oh, that is clearly, you know, uh, you know, you, uh, Universal Classic Monsters Land, and and that's got to be, you know, How to Train Your Dragon Land, and and that's and that's fantastic. the Donkey Kong attraction, and that's yeah, the yeah. And yeah it, look, but but here's the thing, folks. You know, in fact, I, I you know, in prepping for today's show, I sent Dustin a pile of uh concept art in fact the, the I, I started with the very first piece of theme park concept art and that was the drawing of disneyland that that herbie ryman did uh that he, you know they handed off to roy disney and he carried back to uh you know out to new york and you know convinced the executives at abc to you know put five million dollars into this park that walt wanted to build and you know, and, and, and again, in, in what, you know, just like with the Epic Universal thing, you, you in fact, this I found a copy of the colored version. Uh, and if you look at this thing, Dustin, you know, it's like, wow, I can see the castle. And, I can, you know, but it, in the, the same way that, you know, that the, whoever put together the concept art for uh, Universal or uh, Epic Universe, you mm-hmm. know, uh, tried to obscure things with fireworks or the... Uh, you know the 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 searchlights, you know, crossing in the sky. You know, here's here's an aerial balloon over a part of the mock. You know, just sort of like, hey, look at that. Uh, ignore what's below it, because it's like, you know, when you really start looking at it and comparing this image to the Disneyland that actually got built, it's like, well, wait a minute, uh, Jungle Cruise is in on the wrong side of the map, and yep. likewise, the castle is backwards and. Uh, what's the deal with the, the, the circus tent out behind Main Street where Adventureland is? I mean, it just, this is what you do when you're putting a theme park out there, you know, that at least initially, I mean, you're, 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 you're selling the sizzle because you're not sure what sort of steak you're making yet. You know, in fact, that, that to me is what's, genuinely fascinating about these sorts of images i mean take for example when universal first revealed that they were going to expand their orlando resort that was september of 93 dustin Mm -hmm. uh and new york times ran a story where you know there is a three billion dollar 10-year plan that uh you know universal you know, it has decided they're going to be seriously competitive toward Disney. They're going to build five hotels and a brand new gate. And 
But you and I both know, you know, for example, they didn't make the the deal for, uh, you know, the rights of the Marvel characters to what? April of 94? And, and, and they didn't cut the deal with Audrey Geisel for the Dr. Seuss characters till I want to say a month or two months after that. Um, so, you know, they're announcing, hey, we're building $10 billion, you know, $3 billion worth of stuff. And what is that stuff going to be? And it's like, can we get back to you on that? You know, and again, uh, to sort of jump ahead here, sure. um, I've got that image of Epcot circa 1978. And boy, you know, when you looked at the concept painting for Epcot then, well, first of all, where the American Adventure Theater is today mm-hmm. is the Friendship Bridge. Yep. Um, you know, and, and in fact, what's fascinating about uh, if you, you're looking at this if, image, Dustin, if you go to sort of the six o'clock position, you see that there's there's another lake that was supposed to be built behind World Showcase Lagoon. Yep. Um, at the six o'clock position, Dick Nunes uh, did an interview about five months before Epcot opened in 1982 and talked about the expansion plans. And he was like, oh, yeah, we have room for a second lagoon out behind uh, American Adventure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're toying with putting like five more countries back there after we fill up all the slots around uh, World Showcase. And not only that, but we're going to do an Australia pavilion that features a hotel. So you would have been able to stay inside uh, Epcot. Anyway, to, to redirect your attention out to like 12 o'clock or thereabouts, yep. uh, there's, if you look at all of the pavilions around World Showcase, can you identify a single one of them? Uh, I see I see a windmill. So mm-hmm. I, I think that there's at least, a, you know, Norway, Denmark, you know, Scandinavian countries. Um, okay. I that Canada doesn't look like Canada. The UK doesn't look like the UK. It looks like mm-hmm. everything is kind of like what they've done from this concept art was just showcase that we're bringing architecture from around the world. Mm-hmm. And this is what's going to differentiate it from future world. Now, it's interesting you bring up the World Showcase area because if I'll direct your attention now to the other image I sent you, this is World Showcase from 1974 from when they were going to build it. Uh, well, first of all, they were still trying to save the middle of Disney World property for Epcot, the city. Yep. So what they decided to do with World Showcase is literally build it uh, at the edge of the Ticket and Transportation Center. This is a chunk of the parking lot that's been repurposed. And this is uh, honestly a fascinating take on you know and again it, in this iteration of the plan it was known as the walt disney world showcase mm-hmm. um and you know I'll, I'll read you the d23 pulled up an old description of the plan it shows a pair of semicircular buildings located on seven seas lagoon across from magic kingdom in an area adjacent to the trick and transportation center themed environments would have been housed entirely inside of the pavilions leaving the exteriors uniform and of similar frontage. So the idea was that if, you know, you were a teeny tiny country, say Costa Rica, Mm -hmm. uh, and you were put right next door to, you know, the USSR, um, you know, but you'd have the same sort of storefront. You know, the, the key idea was that depending on how much you wanted to spend on your pavilion is how deep it would go. 
And yeah, just think about going to a mall. Yep. You you walk through a mall and all of the entrances are mm-hmm. similar lengths, but it's how deep things go and whether or not the the backs of the stores kind of wrap around some of the other stores. It's it's that same style. And what's interesting about that piece of concept art, and I, I just love looking at, you know, uh, with hindsight being as it is, mm-hmm. the fact that the transportation and ticket center is walking distance to yeah. this park. It's right there. But we're talking about concept art. Concept art is giving people an idea Mm -hmm. before things are, you know, put in the ground, before tractors show up and people realize, oh, look, a sinkhole. Um, That kind of stuff happens in Florida. So, yeah, I just love this concept art, though. This is amazing. Okay. And now the final chunk, if you'll jump to the Walt Disney World uh, concept art from 1969. Uh, This is actually... The cover of uh, a a magazine that was handed out to get people excited about the property. And it's basically a five or 10,000 foot view over uh, Seven Seas Lagoon and Bay Lake. I don't need to tell you, Dustin, that that looking at this artwork, uh, you know, between the, you know, the the Polynesian hotel that looks like something out of Hawaii Five-0 or uh, the Asian hotel that, that was built on the spot that eventually became the Grand Floridian. Or for that matter, the fact that we've got the the Blue Dome of the Persian Hotel. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what's interesting is where the Persian was supposed to be built is where the dry dock is right now for the, uh, you know, know, all of the watercraft. So if you look up at, say, the one o'clock position in this art, please note that where... You know the canal where the uh, the water pageant you know comes and goes every night. Yeah. Um, that's where the dry dock for the park was going to be built. Uh, you know, all of the watercraft at the end of the day was going to go up that that canal and go back to its facility. And, and eventually, you can see there's a connecting you know waterway that would have taken people or allowed you know the the watercraft that was also uh, on uh, on the rivers of America. Rivers of America. Um, but but seriously, take a look. And again, I, I, I apologize because it's, you know, again, it's a 10,000 foot view. So it's hard to get a sense of, you know, from the buildings and the layouts. But that's a very different Magic Kingdom, you know, we're looking at there. It looks like, for example, virtually all of Tomorrowland, uh, including Spaceship Earth, is, is undercover. You know, yeah. I mean, which, again, in rainy, desperately needed air-conditioned Florida... Uh, makes perfect sense. In fact, for me, that's what I find intriguing when you look back to like Fantasyland, the giant show buildings that mm-hmm. suggest the same thing. It's just sort of like we're in Florida. We need to be undercover. We need to, you know, uh, provide you know more opportunities for people to get out of the rain and get into the air conditioning. Again, this is a plan that Disney put out in you know in 1969. Is in this is what we're going to build. And by 1971, if you you know you took your brochure with you and it's like, hey, I want to go to that Polynesian hotel, you know, it's like, uh, where's the tall building? It's like, well, uh, how about the Venetian hotel? We didn't build that, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, it's okay that the Poly will eventually have that structure. It'll just be you know their pool, um, uh, things like uh, that. But. You know, it's I I think one of the things that looking back on concept art and, you know, as technology changes and knowing that all of these theme parks are being built on computers, 
they can go in and say, okay, this is the view that you're going to get when you're standing at this exact moment on this exact day with this backdrop. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably the first time in in the U.S. that we're going to see those types of sight lines show up. And the, you know, the, the fact that Epic Universe, yes, there's a lot of information that's out there and a lot of people have been able to dissect all of the different, you know, concept uh, pieces from the, the Monsters Land to, hey, the weenie's going to be the hotel and there's going to be, uh, you know, all these different things going on. But keep in mind, we are four years out and, that and things not change. Not to put too, too fine a point on it. Remember, September of 1993, New York Times reveals that Universal Parks and Resorts is doing this $3 billion expansion. Sure. We then had to wait till May of 1997 before details finally began to emerge about you know what was going to be in the second gate. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, there'd be these things that would bubble up. You know, for example, you know, almost from the get-go, uh, when when you know Universal started to sort of tease at things uh, in '94, it was like, well, the new park is definitely going to have. A Jurassic World section, and there would be these little bits and things that sort of would leak out about, you know, that they've been talking with Audrey Geisel, they've been talking with, you know, there's going to be a cartoon section to to sort of compete with, you know, Fantasyland, and mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing. But yeah, I, you know, so I guess, you know, to sort of bring this to a close here, folks, it's sure. like realistically. Uh, especially if we are, in fact, looking at a 2023 or a 2024 opening, we should anticipate we're probably not going to get any significant details till 2020 or 2021. In fact, I, I, not to put a B in Universal's bonnet, but wouldn't that be a, a fun way to spoil Disney's 50th anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, say over the course of that year, you yeah. know, release information about, you know, the the various worlds that will make up Epic Universe. And I, I guess that's the other final note here, Dustin, that that's to, to circle back to that piece of concept art. Sure. Um, what's different about that to you? What, what leap, you know, when you look at that design, what's different? Uh, like, sorry, we're talking about the Epic Universe concept art, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for me, uh, I look at the fact that the concept art is, uh, you know, it's not a traditional uh, theme park. There's a lot of, as we've talked about, actually, there you can see some of the entrances into the immersive locations. So I see it, it similar to what we talked about on a, a previous show. If this is going to be a a universal park where you walk in and then you have to tap into these immersive locations, it would make sense that a hotel could be on that location without having to worry about security and, you know, who's coming in and who's going out. That was the first thing that came to my mind. But okay. um, what what did you see? Well, I, I, the thing that, that struck me is and again, if you, you look at the concept art, if you can see the all right, so you know, say three o'clock position, there's supposedly the Nintendo, or excuse me, the uh, nine o'clock position, Nintendo Land. Eleven o'clock, yes. it's, it's Universal Monsters. 
two o'clock is you know supposedly our fantastic beast harry potter area and then say at the four or five o'clock position we've got uh, how to train your dragon yes you know what i don't see connective tissue okay that there is you know you know for example you know how you're at disneyland and you can walk up Big Thunder Way going through Frontierland and come in the back door at Frontier Fantasyland. Or, you know, you can walk around the Matterhorn from Fantasyland and, you know, be in Tomorrowland. Or Yeah, there's no, there's no back, um, back hub and spoke. There's no connective tissue that connects, you know, from this it looks like when you go in to Classic Monsters or whatever they're going to build, there's one entrance in and one entrance out. That's it exactly. These are these are self-contained worlds. What's kind of intriguing about this, at least when you consider that the convention center is just a, a short walk away, mm-hmm. um, when you begin to look think about what Universal's business plan here is, and you know, say you're a giant corporation like Apple or McDonald's or you know that sort of thing, and you mm-hmm. want to do something special for your employees. As part of when you're holding an invention at, you know, down in Orlando, you know, sure. so wouldn't it be cool if, you know, you bought out for the night the entire Universal Classic Monsters land or, or for that matter, did the same thing with Fantastic Beasts? Yeah. You know, and, you know, you had that land entirely to yourself. You lived in that world for a night. You you bring up probably the best spot and I, I i hate to jump in at this exact moment but when you look at the concept art and you see that staged arena yeah. where people are saying oh maybe beetlejuice is coming back is this or is this not a potential sales uh, tactic for the convention space to say we're going to allow you know we're going to have people come in and buy out universal monsters that's fine but imagine being able to also hold your presentations your sales meetings that kind of a thing on that stage at nighttime well uh, let me throw an additional idea on the fire here sure. that that term chatting with with folks who were sort of still spitballing uh fantastic worlds but with the notion that again this is the theme park that's closest to uh, the convention center and that, you know, people will want to be able to do special activities, you know, like trust building. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that, you know, thinking about you're trying to get people to work as a team. So how would you like to be, say, as a team trapped in the dungeon at Dracula's castle and you have to work together in a, a team building, trust building exercise to escape that space? This is this is what's in, intriguing about uh, what they're supposedly considering for Epic Universal. Much in much the same way in the, how in you know every uh, you know theme park there were private dining rooms off of restaurants and you know the, the the like. But the notion of you're building this close to a place where tens of thousands of people, you know, sometimes are in a day. You know, mm-hmm. for, to, for and the fact that you want to be able to offer these giant corporations something special. Just, you know, again, sort of tuck that in your back pocket and, and think about that. Because this is, this is why this park is, is going to be different in so many, you know, so many ways than, say, what Disney's doing up the street. And, and not to belabor the obvious, but Disney came within inches 
of building something just like this. Do you remember Night Kingdom? Yes, I do. You know, the whole notion of that park was that during the day, this would be the place where you could do, like, you could have these amazing encounters with animals, but you could also climb cave walls and do zip lines and, and that sort of thing. And, and it, it would only then open to the public at night. Yeah. Uh, but during the day, it was going to be this special corporate facility. So, you know, catering to conventions. And, you know, I can't help but think that here's Disney proposed this idea and then didn't have the guts to go through with it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Individual chunks of what was supposed to be Night Kingdom, like the Wild Africa Trek, did eventually show up, but were folded into Animal Kingdom. But, mm-hmm. you know, here's here's Universal rolling the dice in a billion dollars sort of way to create a park that that yes will you know can entertain the public but also can make buku bucks off of you know who's ever holding convention up the street so going to be a very interesting project to follow especially uh in say two years time when they're finally willing to reveal who's who or what is going into this park so um but i would imagine uh over at your other podcast You'll be keeping tabs on, on this as well, Dustin. And can you uh, tell the listeners what's going on on your side of the fence? For sure. But before we jump over that, one of the things that we could talk about with regards to, you know, spitballing between now and, I don't know, November, mm-hmm. is with Universal coming up with so much of, you know, these these exciting announcements from, you know, Hagrid's to the, the Velocicoaster and everything, you want to be down in November at uh, the Universal Orlando Resort with uh, myself and Jim. That's right. That's right. Hopefully by then we'll have some more stories actually to share about uh, Epic Universe. But okay, we'll talk about our holiday event. Uh, Give the folks a rundown on that. So um, November 15th through until the 18th, uh, we are at the uh, Lowe's Sapphire Falls Resort. Um, we've got daily experiences. It's the, you know, a few days after the holiday uh, experiences at Universal are, you know, light switched on. So we'll be able to really see what Universal has in store to create this uh, this magical experience uh, with everything from Universal's Holiday Parade fe- uh, featuring Macy's to uh, the Grinchmas Holiday Spectacular and the Magic of Christmas at Hogwarts Castle at the end of the day, if you are a Universal fan, and by this point in the in the podcast, my assumption is that you are a Universal fan because we got through uh, Epic Universe as well as now talking about our event. You really want to join us down there. So head over to storybookdestinations.com. At the top of the website, there is a... Uh, little widget that you click on it's jim hill slash disney dish click on that and uh uh you know it's holidays at universal you want to spend it with us <laughs> okay nice plug and speaking of plugs what's going on on your side of the fence sure so i've got steps to magic.com that's uh universal and disney trip planning new stuff being folded in all the time with all the different closures and you know dominoes falling at epcot and magic kingdom and everything like that uh as well we've got the um uh, a podcast that i started with two other uh theme park fans it's the we like theme parks podcast uh if you're a, a fan of theme parks just head over there uh you know we we try and uh bring the lighter side of uh of theme parks and talking about where our money 
would actually go. Uh, but we just have fun with it. And it's it's similar to uh, the Universal Joint by the way of, you know, we just have fun with, uh, with theme parks. So that's where I'm at. And uh, I think you're up to what, seven shows? I, I, I have lost count at this point. Anyway, <laughs> it's all right. So it's uh disney dish with len testa uh we just recorded a brand new show of that today uh fine tuning uh with drew taylor and geez we just recorded a brand new show of that today too and of course marvel us disney the podcast to discuss what's going on in the marvel side of of the company uh we of course have the podcast that, that Dustin and i do here universal joint and good lord tomorrow i'm uh gonna uh recording a, a new episode of uh, I want that with Michelle Valladolid, which is our Disney merch podcast. And uh, if I don't fall over first, I'm actually recording a <laughs> looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z tonight. So that's four podcasts in one day. And boy, am I getting tired of listening to myself. <laughs> um, anyway, um, well, folks, if you like uh, what Dustin and I do both, uh, you know, with, with his, his podcast and, and mine, if you get head over to iTunes and rate and recommend our show that would be incredibly helpful uh likewise if you really 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 like what we do here if you could head over to Bandcamp uh and subscribe that helps keep the lights on and i guess that's it for now though i would imagine by the time dust and i circle back to doing another universal joint there will be even more news to share and hopefully maybe something <laughs> definitive or you know, at least solid about Epic Universe. I think the phrase is, we're going to find something epic for the next show. <laughs> All right. Here's hoping. All right. Till then, folks, thanks for listening, and we'll be back.